not late because I want to be late. I actually hate being late. Some would say it's because it's my mom's fault. She's not here yet, but she will be next service, and she would deny that it's her fault. Some would say it's a learned thing. Dr. Phil would say that it's actually just you being rude and selfish. For me, it's I'm always trying to get a few more things done. In other words, I'm a terrible time manager, and I think that I can get more done than I could ever get done in the time that I have. And so I just try to squeeze one or two more things in before the time that I know that I need to leave, and then I leave after I've already supposed to have left, and then I'm late. I'm getting better. I was on time today, so that's a good thing. Are you still full from Thursday? I ate so much on Thursday. I've ate, I don't think I've eaten to the level that I ate on Thursday in a very long time. I was literally laying on the floor in the fetal position for approximately two hours. If you do not believe me, ask those who were present and laughing at me. Let's look at the 12th verse of Revelation chapter 16. Also, I feel bad that I've been piling on week after week, and now it's just become too easy. So I thought I would wear this whole tie in solidarity to the Minnesota Viking fans out there. It's purple for the Vikings and black, well, because... <laughs> the sixth angel poured out his bowl on the great river Euphrates, and its water was dried up to, the, to prepare the way for the kings from the east. And I saw coming out of the mouth of the dragon and out of the mouth of the beast and out of the mouth of the false prophet three unclean spirits like frogs. For they are demonic spirits performing signs who go abroad to the kings of the whole world to assemble them for battle on the great day of God the Almighty. Behold, I am coming like a thief. Blessed is the one who stays awake, keeping his garments on, that he may not go about naked and be seen exposed." And they assembled them at the place that in Hebrew is called Armageddon. The seventh angel poured out his bowl into the air, and a loud voice came out of the temple from the throne, saying, It is done. And there were flashes of lightning, rumblings, peals of thunder, and a great earthquake such as there had never been since man was on earth. So great was that earthquake. The great city was split into three parts, and the cities of the nations fell, and God remembered Babylon the great to make her drain the cup of the wine of the fury of his wrath. And every island fled away, and no mountains were to be found. And great hailstones, about 100 pounds each, fell from heaven on people. And they cursed God for the plague of the hail because the plague was so severe." We start off the sixth bowl with this river Euphrates. Now, I have to say that growing up on the Missouri River, first in Pierre and then in Yankton, there's a lot of river myths that are perpetuated by people that are not river people. And I find it very ironic that Minnesota, having the mouth of the Mississippi in it, is such a perpetuator of these river myths. Rivers are not that scary. You can swim in rivers. You can boat in rivers. You can water ski in rivers. The river is not going to swallow you up and pull you under the water and drag you to your death. 
So let's just get that right out in the open. The next time somebody says, let's go swim in the river, you say, okay, I trust you. We will do it. And then you can assure my wife that the river is just fine. But the Euphrates was, well, it was a lot like Ron Burgundy. It was kind of a big deal. You see, the Euphrates was this boundary and this symbolic place within the ancient Near East. And the Babylonians were actually defeated by Cyrus when his army diverted the Euphrates in such a way that they were able to invade and conquer Babylon. And this signature event led to the release of the Israelite people from captivity. So the Euphrates and the drying up of the Euphrates is not a new thing to those that are well aware of Israelite history. But it also functions and draws us to remember other times when God dries up water, like the delivery of the people from the Exodus, like we talked about last week, and also when the people go into the Promised Land. But that's not the key here. We see coming out of the mouth of the dragon and out of the mouth of the beast and out of the mouth of the false prophet three unclean spirits like frogs. Now it's interesting of note here that this is the first time in Revelation that we see this term false prophet. And if you've been following along in Jeremiah, you're saying, man, the connections just continue to come over and over and over, and this idea of a false prophet. And here in Revelation, we see this allusion or this description of this third person being the false prophet. But why the frogs? You say, well, obviously, Eric, the frogs are a direct connection to the plague of frogs that took place in Israel. 100% correct. Three other things of note, though. Frogs to the people were unclean. Frogs seemed harmless, but what did they do in Egypt? They destroyed Egypt. And lastly, this allusion to frogs is that frogs croaking is loud, but meaningless. Except, if you know frogs at all, frog croaking is not actually meaningless in the spring. They're actually doing something that, well, ask your parents about that later. So what is it with the frogs coming out of the mouths of these three individuals or these three things in Revelation? Well, it's propaganda. It's the propaganda that's coming out from the dragon and the beast and the false prophet. Do you know that 50, in 2012, 50 million pumpkin pies were purchased for Thanksgiving? 50 million Pumpkin pies were purchased for Thanksgiving. Now, some of you know Tom eats a lot of pumpkin pie, and you may want to look at his hands or his feet to see if they have turned orange, because if you eat too much beta-carotene, your hands and your feet can start to turn orange. How much beta-carotene does one have to eat to have their hands or feet turn orange? Well, someone has obviously done the research you need to consume approximately 50 milligrams of beta-carotene a day for two weeks before you start to see this set in. Well, what does that look like? An average pie calls for one pound of cooked pumpkin. 
Now, in one pound of cooked pumpkin, there's approximately 34 milligrams of beta-carotene. So you need to eat about one and a half pumpkin pies every day for the next two weeks before you'll start to see the onset of orange hands and orange feet. You say, that's a lot of pumpkin. Well, you can eat sweet potatoes because sweet potatoes actually have 23 milligrams of beta-carotene per cup versus the 17 that you find in a cup of pumpkin. Why does this matter? It's interesting because 65%, a recent Stanford study found that 65% of millennials are unable to decipher what is an actual news story and what is a fake news story or what is a news story that has been paid for by someone. Stanford research has found more than 80% of middle schoolers who need a hug, if you remember Abby's sermon, believe that sponsored content was a real news story. If you've looked at a magazine recently, you start flipping through, Ski Magazine is the worst. There's like 30 pages. You say, wow, this place looks amazing. And then you see that it's actually a sponsored ad. Images sometimes are the worst. People are unable to decipher what is an actual image versus a fake image. What does this have to do with cooked pumpkin and frogs? Well, we see these frogs or this image of these frogs that is coming out of the mouths of the dragon and the beast and the false prophet as the propaganda of Satan. And what is the point of propaganda? Well, the point of propaganda is to get us to believe the myths that are being perpetuated by those that are creating the propaganda. And I was wondering, what are the myths that we hear today that we believe? Now, if you want some hard-hitting news that will just send you slaying and and, and trap you within the internet. We've mentioned the Babylon Bee or the Onion. Highly recommend checking them out. Now, they will not be uh, able to be sourced on any academic data, but you can certainly convince your friends and family that it is actual news when it is, in fact, not. What are the myths that we hear today that we believe? If I just have this one thing, I will be content. If I just have this one job, then I will be satisfied. If I just got down to that size or that weight, I would be happy. If I could get those last three projects done at home, then we could finally enjoy our house and relax. Hashtag present makes it perfect. If my spouse would just figure out what it takes to make me happy, then our marriage would be better. Better yet, God wants me to be happy, and if that means finding another spouse, then that is what God wants, because, well, God wants me to be happy. If I can just get through this season, then I will get serious about my relationship with the Lord. Myths that are perpetuated in our lives on a daily basis. And the problem with propaganda is that if 
we surround ourselves with the hearing of information from a single source or a single type of source, we just start to believe it. We start to believe it as if it is actual fact. If you simply repeat something to yourself over and over and over again, and you surround yourself with people that will tell you what you want to hear over and over and over again, before you know it, you cognitively believe something that is actually false. And that is what propaganda is. And that is what is taking place in this image that John has of this sixth bowl. Satan is sending out propaganda into the world to convince people that his way is the best way, and people are buying it hook, line, and sinker. One of the epidemics that is existing today is the furthering of false news stories as if they are actually true. And one thing that I have found throughout my life is that when I read and listen to people that I agree with 100% of the time, then I slowly go down a path of deception. Because I never hear a counterpoint, and then I think, well, this is the truth, and I just keep going further and further and further this way and become more rooted and rooted and rooted into a position that I believe to be the only way, the only position. And these myths that are planted in our heads are allowed to take root and then they produce destruction. How much social media do we consume in a day? Maybe you don't consume any social media. How much news media do we partake in a day? And how much time do we spend in God's Word? See, because Paul tells Timothy in 2 Timothy chapter 4, that as we move towards the end, which today we're closer to the end than we were yesterday, that we will see people surrounding themselves with people that will tell them what their itching ears want to hear. Just tell me what I want to hear. And some nights I wake up and I stare at the ceiling and I wrestle with this task that God has placed in my life not to tell you what you want to hear. It would be a lot easier for me to stand up here and tell you everything you would want to hear. Because then all of you would be, well, most of you would be satisfied. And yet that is not what God has called us to do, and that is exactly this image that we see in the sixth bowl of the perpetuation of propaganda and the consumption of it by the people. And who's behind it? Verse 14, For they are demonic spirits performing signs who go abroad to, to the kings of the whole world to assemble them for battle on the great day of God the Almighty. Demonic spirits. Well, we, don't, 
we don't talk about that. We'll just gloss over that. We in the developed world, we don't want to talk about demonic spirits. And, and let me be very, very clear that I am not saying what you think I'm saying, but if what I'm going to say makes you think that I'm saying what I'm not saying, then let's have a conversation later. Yesterday, I went to Fantastic Beasts and Where to Find Them with my family, and it's the new J.K. Rowling um, film. And I found it fascinating, this imagery that you see in the film of these people that deny the existence of this thing that they're experiencing in the world, and they say, well, that can't be what it actually is. Now, I'm not saying J.K. Rowling has written a biblical book, and I'm not saying that J.K. Rowling is a demon. I'm not saying any of those things. What I'm saying is that for so long, in so many places, we want to deny the influence and the power of the demonic spirits that exist in this world. And we're told we're fighting a battle not against flesh and blood, but against the principalities of darkness. And if you've ever came in contact with a demonic spirit, you know that they are 100% real and present and active and alive in this world, in the United States, in the Brainerd Lakes area, like you wouldn't believe. Now, I'm not saying behind every single thing is a demon. I'm not saying that. What I'm saying is the demonic truth of what exists today is something that we cannot deny. They are demonic spirits performing signs. Behold, I'm coming like a thief. Blessed is the one who stays awake, keeping his garments on, that he may not go about naked and be seen exposed. This is the great image, right? I'm coming like a thief in the night. And this is the pushback to everyone who tries to understand and predict the end of the world. And Jesus says, no, you don't understand when it's going to happen, where it's going to happen, how it's going to happen. It's kind of like when you're playing a catchphrase and the timer's ticking. And you say, is it now? Can I get one more in? Should I pass it? Should I go for another one? We try to predict and we want to know and we look at this and we look at that and we read a verse like 15 that says, you don't know. You will never know. You're not supposed to know. But you should certainly wear pajamas on a regular basis. After studying this more and more, I went out and I bought a full set of pajamas. I didn't. This imagery of nakedness is one of being shamed. You should be ready for the end. You should have yourself in a position where you will not be ashamed at the end. 
Again, 2 Timothy chapter 4, Paul tells Timothy, you are to be ready in season and out of season. It's not, well, I have time for a couple more things to get done. No, be ready right now. And they assembled them at the place that in Hebrew is called Armageddon. The only place we see this in the whole Bible, this one word. And yet it became such an amazing movie. Men, bring some tissues. What is this Armageddon? Well, John uses Hebrew locations when he is speaking symbolically. Armageddon is not an actual location. When you break down the Hebrew, it's Mount Megiddo or something to that effect. Except when we look at Old Testament references to Megiddo, it's actually a plain. How can a plain have a mountain on it? A plain is the opposite of mountain. A plain is flat, a mountain is tall. There is no such place as Armageddon, so don't bother going to look for it. John is clearly seeing a vision that is an allusion to the end. It's not an actual place. Megiddo is a place where the Israelites did battle. 2 Chronicles 35.22 But that's not the point. Armageddon is a symbolic location. The seventh angel poured out his bowl into the air and a loud voice came out of the temple from the throne saying, It is done. It's over. This is it. And how does it end? There were flashes of lightning, rumblings, peals of thunder, and a great earthquake such as there had never been since man was on the earth. So great was that earthquake. The interesting thing that we see here is we see almost the exact same wording in Exodus 9 and in Daniel chapter 12 as we see in Revelation 16. So it seems to be new, but it's not actually that new. It's a vision that we've seen before that we'll see again. The great city split into three parts, and the city of the nations fell, and God remembered Babylon the great to make her drain the cup of wine of the fury of his wrath, And every island fled away, and no mountains were to be found. And great hailstones, about 100 pounds each, fell from heaven on people, and they cursed God for the plague of the hail, because the plague was so severe. This is not a meticulous picture of the end. None of what we have seen has been meant to be a meticulous picture of of the end. This is a visionary depiction of the destruction. If there's going to be a new earth, well then the old earth must be destroyed. And how is it going to happen? Well, it seems as though it's going to be through some natural events. Earthquakes, thunder, Hail, yes, big hail. I mean, imagine that, 100-pound hailstones 
I'm not sure how that insurance claim is going to go, but I don't think it will really matter. But what do we see after the fact? We've seen these seven bulls. We've seen various responses. We've actually seen one response. We've seen the continuous response of these people. These people that are outside of who God is. They cursed God for the plague of the hail. These visions, they seem to be incomprehensible. And we try to figure them out when the reality is we're never going to figure them out. We're never going to figure out the time. We're never going to be able to understand when we need to be in the location that we need to be in. So we say, well, do I have time to just do a couple more things? And we rush and we cram and we try to squeeze in just one more thing before our time is up and we have to be on to the next thing. And if we are late, well, they will understand. Except there's no being late for this. My defensive coordinator in college said, early is on time, on time is late, and if you're late, don't bother showing up. When the end is the end, it is the end. There's no being late for what we're seeing in these passages. There's no wait for tomorrow or for the first of the year or for Monday, which I guess is tomorrow. And you say, so this is it? Well, actually, no, because 17 and 18 are going to talk a lot more about what we just talked about. And so is it the end or is it not the end? And, and then we're going to continue into 19, and we're going to say, I thought we just concluded this. Say, see, Eric, I have more time. <laughs> Do we? Do we have more time? I don't. Let's pray. Father God, we come. Many of us feel like the outside. Like we're in some thick fog. And many of us feel like we've been eating too much pumpkin pie. And others of us are thinking if I could just get a few more things done. Once I get this done and that done, then I'll get serious. Then I'll get serious about my relationship with you. And you keep giving us your word and these visions and the reality that there isn't time for two more. The time is now to respond to you. The time is now for us to say yes to you and to live as your people in a world that is clearly not from you.
Holy Spirit, empower us to make today the most important day of the rest of our lives. In Jesus' name, amen.